Hi, I'm Jackie Leonardini. And I'm Brad Wallach, and this is Funny Energy. A show where Brad brings on a friend of his from the comedy world who he believes can benefit from an energy reading. And I'll be honest, that's literally every comedian. So listen, as we cleanse our energy and laugh along the way, this is Funny Energy. Welcome to Funny Energy. I am Brad Wallach, writer, producer, comedian. As always, I'm joined by energy practitioner, clairvoyant, Jackie Leonardini. And today we are really fortunate to be joined by my friend and comedian, Sarah Tiana. Uh, Hello. Who, who I've known Sarah for going back to the Chelsea Lately days. She was a regular on Chelsea Lately. I, there's a theme, if, if you know this, with a lot of these guests. Um, <laughs> a lot of them come from the Chelsea Lately days. Mm-hmm. Um well, those but, were good days. No, they were. They were, and for comedy, and, and in particular, and comedians. So, uh, but she has. She's just uh, a fantastic comedian. Um, she's done. She was a regular uh, on our show, Lights Out, uh, with David Spade. She was a writer on that show. We then. She was then the head writer on the subsequent show we did, Netflix After Party. But she's also a comedian. She's on Amazon during the football season doing. Um, what's the show called, Sarah? I forget. The Pylon. The Pylon on the Amazon. NFL Pylon. It's funny, yeah. and it's you know, in sports and comedy, it's always hard to nail, and she's doing it, so that's good. <laughs> so if you're a football fan, or if not, check it out next season. Uh, and I don't know, you you probably you cite your biggest regret as not hiring Tom and me to produce <laughs> that pilot years ago, right? Uh, oh yeah, it would probably would be on the air now. Still. It would be. It would be. We'd be celebrating eight great years. Um, but nope, <sighs> yeah. you went with the no. wrong pick. But that's your choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh my gosh, she's so glad mm-hmm. she came on. No, to she talk is. with us. She is. No, but Sarah is a favorite. She's. Oh, a I've go- heard it. Like. She's a go-to. They remind me of it every time they hire me for something <laughs> that I didn't hire them for something. Yeah, oh my we goodness. just yeah. You know. That's but competition energy, Brad. We hire her. We, we hire. Not only do we hire her, we then promote her. We give her head writer. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. That's mm-hmm. how we repay people. And in return, I just make them look good. Oh, yeah. You know what? <laughs> I was just reminded we hired you and, and when you were pregnant and we were told, oh, she's pregnant. She's going to have to go on maternity leave. We said, we understand. I we told you. My agents didn't want to tell you. And I said, no, I cannot lie to Tom and Brad. I have to tell them. Yeah. And we still said, of course, because we are we're <laughs> so you said, open. You, yes, you definitely said, of course. And then you said, maybe we'll even use it on the show. And then you guys used it. Yeah, every week. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You got <laughs> so to so work with what I you got. To my house. Yeah. Yeah. When I moved to my house, my neighbor was like, you know, oh, you were on Lights Out. Oh my gosh, there was this pregnant girl on that show that we just loved. And I'm standing there <laughs> holding my baby. And I'm like, it's it was me. She's like, no, 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 this girl is pregnant. I go, yeah, like two years ago. Yeah, I had the baby that eventually came out. <laughs> uh. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Sarah, thanks for for joining. She is a a, a good friend, and she's from Georgia, so that always uh, so she's kind of a proper Southern girl, Jackie, uh, mm. in many respects, which is interesting. Uh, how that jives with her uh, 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 career in comedy and especially all her roast writing. She's a really well-known roast writer. Oh, um, does all the roasts and and she's pretty biting. So uh, I don't I don't know how 
how she does that. And and her yes. dad used to sell Pepperidge Farm cookies, which were my favorite. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I know that. Anyway, Jackie, <laughs> take it away. So, so a roast writer, that means that you're really quick to observe people's character and, and can come up with, you know, funny ways of seeing someone's personality. Where did you first start yeah. to um, develop that skill? Well, I did never really. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess like with comedy, you know, my job is to notice things that most people don't notice. Mm-hmm. You know, like someone will be walking down the street with like a mohawk and like earrings and nose piercings. And I'll notice that they're wearing sketchers. Like that's like kind of <laughs> my job as a comedian. And so like you start realizing like, then, you know, everyone starts telling you that you're funny and like, so then you start doing that. But roast writing, I was just like really intrigued by it because I was running a comedy room and Jeff Ross used to come in and practice his roast jokes in my room And then I said, you know, what's the next roast you're doing? And he told me, and I said, what's your email? And he told me, so then I just started sending him roast jokes. What I thought was a roast joke, like immediately, um, days and days and days at a time, all day until he couldn't ignore me anymore. So, but I never wanted to roast myself. Like I never wanted to be the person saying those jokes. And then and then I started judging roast battles at the comedy store. And then they were like, you should do these. And I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> these are way too mean. <laughs> uh, um, I just like give them to people and then they say the stuff. Uh, and so, you know, when I approach a roast for myself that I'm going to to, to do, and I think in any time I, I write a roast joke, my my goal is to impress you. My goal is to not, not to hurt your feelings. Like I want to write a joke about you that you want to use in your act. I'm Mm -hmm. not writing a joke just to be mean to you. Um, I don't, I feel that you're only supposed to roast the ones you love. That's why I'm very particular about the people that I will even roast face to face because I don't, if I don't know you well enough, like I don't feel like it's fair, you know, then I, I just feel like the jokes come off as mean and they're not like, you know, and I also know when, when I know you, what I'm not going to say, things I'm not going to say about you, things right. that are off limits that I've, that I've made off limits <laughs> mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. because. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well, because she's, my own it's, it's love. Like when you feel like you're saying you're only mm-hmm. going to do it with people that you know and love, you can make jokes, yeah. but if that love is there, then it's funny. But if the love isn't there, then it's not. It, it may be funny, but right. it, it'll be harmful. And so that's a it's really... like how when you make. Yeah, like you can make fun of your brothers and sisters. But if somebody else makes fun of your brother or sister, you're very upset at them. Mm-hmm. You're like, no, 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 I can do that because mm-hmm. they're family. Right. Yes. But you're not allowed to do that. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Tell me something. How are you around your what, saying yes and no? How are boundaries for you? I don't have a lot of boundaries. I am very, um, I'm an oversharer, if that makes any sense. Like mm-hmm. I just, um, I also like, um, have, I have an inability to lie. I'm not very good at it. So if you ask me a direct question, then I will tell you the truth without really thinking about the consequences, <laughs> <laughs> no matter what, like whether it's like a big deal or not a big deal. That's true. She was very honest when she said that she... <laughs> fucked up by not hiring me and Tom. <laughs> <to produce. laughs> so, 
<laughs> and when I told you I was pregnant, yeah. 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 And I said, it's okay if you don't hire me, I'm not going to sue you. <laughs> I totally get it. Yeah. And you winked and we were like, we know what that means. We're getting said, sued up the I wazoo. I can't speak for my management. <laughs> and we knew. We knew. <laughs> you know better. Yeah. We know Amy. We know what she's going to do. <laughs> oh, no. She's terrifying. <laughs> so you wouldn't say that you're a people pleaser. Oh, yeah. For sure. People pleaser. Yeah. Like. I do way more than I need to do. I'm like constantly, um, yeah, just trying to make everybody happy, mm -hmm. overdoing it, mm -hmm. trying too hard. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And and how is that working for you? Um, I mean, I guess there are times when it works. Um, I mean, I think sometimes I get myself roped into maybe too much work or get, I can get sidetracked because I'm a little focused on work that's not important. Mm -hmm. But I've, you know, I feel obligated to say yes to things mm -hmm. all the time because I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. Right. And so I think what I'm hearing and asking is that sometimes you're saying yes to things and yes to others, but no to yourself. And then that no to yourself is, does that make sense? Like if you're saying, yeah, saying I guess, yes. like, I mean, I guess it makes sense. Yeah. Like, because I, I think um, I have a, I have a real problem with feeling lazy. So I just like to be busy all the time. Mm -hmm. I just have a fear of being like l interpreted as being lazy. So I kind of wrote myself into too much because I'm like, well, I'm not doing anything. I should just do this. Mm -hmm. I should come on this podcast. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a mistake. We got you in a weak moment. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, like I feel like I end up writing stuff for free because I just feel like, well, I should do something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Where do you think your mm -hmm. fear of being lazy? Who was lazy, or where was lazy judged as bad or good? Or um, I not good. Oh, I always, I think a lot of times I feel like I don't get stuff because I haven't worked hard enough mm. to get them, mm -hmm. and so, um. Like, oh, maybe I didn't get that gig. I'm just not working hard enough or like, but I also am kind of lazy, like in my stand up, like I should be writing jokes for myself every day now that I have some downtime instead of playing backgammon on my phone. So yeah, mm -hmm. I do feel lazy mm -hmm. at times. And then, but then people always say, oh, you're such a hard worker. And I'm like, well, I don't really feel like a hard worker, even though, because also, I think another issue is that um, joke writing for other people comes very easy to me mm -hmm. and I can do it very quickly. And whereas it might take people all day to write a page of jokes, I can do that in like an hour. So it just like your job comes, comes naturally to you. So it doesn't I, I know naturally, exactly what you're saying. Yeah. So then you feel like well, it should my my own stand up should come this easily to me, but it doesn't because my stand up is very personal and it has to be a true story. I can't tell something that's not true, it you know because I won't believe it on stage, and then and then that is evident, I think, with the audience because the audience can read the energy, and mm -hmm. I am reading their energy because comics are highly sensitive people. Mm -hmm. Like I I know when I'm on stage, like. 
oh, those that people, those two are on a date or their brother and sister or they're from another country. Like, and I'm not asking that. I just feel that. And I don't. So then I can also feel when they like don't think something's funny. Mm-hmm. And now when I, as soon as I start thinking, oh, they don't think that's funny. Now I'm sidetracked and I'm like not focused. And it's like, and I just have an inability to just like be okay with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so when it comes to stand up, I have to be like reliving certain moments to stay present in my act because I, I want people to be happy and like enjoying it. So yeah, so I feel lazy when it comes to my own stand-up, I guess I should say. And that's really the main part where I feel lazy. So a couple of things that come to me to say is in your own, it feels like what's blocking you in your own stand-up is, one, it has to be authentic, right? It has to be a real experience. Mm-hmm. But you go into judging whether the experience is is funny or worthy or you go into what the response will be more so than just allowing yourself to find the experience because you're going into, it's supposed to be hard work when it comes to you. And the hard part of that puts you in effort and effort blocks us from being open to that creativity. When you're writing for somebody else and it happens in an hour, you're effortless. And so Mm -hmm. that effortlessness is opening that creative vortex because you're, you're neutral to it. You're in neutrality. Mm-hmm. You're not judging it. You're mm-hmm. just allowing it. And so I would try applying that to your own story, your own stand-up routine. Allow yourself to get neutral as if you're looking at everything from a bird's eye view and and actually tapping into the energy of neutrality, which is trust. I trust that I'm capable. I trust that I'm creative in all things when I'm present. Mm-hmm. And, and that's actually an energy that we can run. If we talk about energy as medicine, there are all these wavelengths of energy that are around us. And what we want to do is like catch the wave of that energy and bring it to us, like harnessing it within us. And then it will support us in, in bringing the very thing that we're asking for. So if, when you go to sit down to look at your own routine, if you just say, you know, I want to, I want to, I'm going to run neutral energy right now. I'm going to get really neutral and just allow myself to be effortless and sit and say, Mm -hmm. Hmm, what in my life, you know, like you're watching a movie from above strikes me as funny or what in my life, you know, go in, go in from a frequency. Like you're looking for something that is either heartwarming or something that is, you know, you know, taught you a really good lesson, but in a really funny way. So I want to see, you know, that time that my aunt said this to me or whatever it is, the theme that you're looking for, tap into those memories through a theme or a a feeling and allow yourself while running the neutral energy up from the earth. So how I do that is I just, to me, neutrality is opalescence. Like it has every color in it. There's so much possibility. It's, it's, it's endless. And so I ask for that energy to come up through my feet and we can attune to energy and call it up. The minute we call it, it will come. That's the thing about energy, especially light frequency. It's effortless. And then just use it to hone in on what it is that you want to write, but trying or work, thinking that you have to work hard for it because it's yours or it to be real or special that blocks you. So does that make sense? 
I relate. Yeah, kind of like, huh? Go ahead, Brad. I was going to say, I relate. I mean, the the idea that that something that comes naturally to you, especially something as 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 natural as humor, you know, which has been mm-hmm. your whole life, you've been a funny person, and you probably used to get in trouble for it sometimes, you know, like a lot of <laughs> us did when we're in school and stuff as mm-hmm. kids, you know. And so now that you are doing it professionally and getting paid and it's easy and it comes to you, you don't think of it as as value or valuable or hard work. Mm-hmm. And and you mm-hmm. f- kind of feel like you're cheating the system a bit. You're like, this mm-hmm. is not I, you know, I should be, you know, I should, like a doctor. They go to school and then they, you know, <laughs> do a residency and they're doing surgery and they know science and they, you know, and comedians have to know a lot. You have to know a lot about kind of everything and really be in tune with people and individual. But I think yeah. there, there is something about um just it it it, it not being a skill that is seen as valuable, you know, or worthy. I think it's like not like, I think it's like something that you can't see because, you know, I think we work up here Mm -hmm. and it doesn't turn off, right? Like our brains never turn off. So even somebody can clock out and come home from work and they're off work, but I'm never off work because I'm constantly watching, looking, listening, thinking, and I'm also like punishing myself for not thinking of something funny, or I'm mad at myself for being tired, or, you know, just not wanting to go and do stand up and like thinking of quitting constantly, you know, like, I think you just feel like, is this even something that I should be doing when I'm thinking of quitting all the time? (laughs) (laughs) But, but that's that's because the fear. you're just like whoa what whatever mm-hmm. yeah but mm-hmm. then you can't quit because it's just that's the secret to comedy is not quitting mm-hmm. that's really the only secret you don't have to be funny lots of people uh, prove that Sarah you are, she's absolutely correct and it's not just comedy but entertainment in general but especially comedy it's like you you hang around long enough. It's it's a kind of a war of attrition, and and there's a lot of people who who are far more talented than I am who just couldn't hack it and couldn't hang and didn't mm-hmm. want to stick it out and quit. And but you know you you hang in long enough, and yeah, you see people uh, with specials, and you're like, what? That's not funny. What? <laughs> yeah. You know, but and then you go, but they've been around for forty years or thirty years or twenty years, whatever. So but they're trusting. They're usually when someone has gets into a flow. It may not even be so much about if they're funny or not funny. That's a judgment. That's right. If you get out of the judgment, what is funny? What is not? What is effortless? What brings me joy? Mm -hmm. And it's the joy of it, right? So then it doesn't feel like hard work. But if we're in effort, it's going to take it's the effort steals the joy. And what I'm saying is that we've all been programmed to believe that anything worth doing is hard. And that's that's the lie. And that's the lie that gets in the way. So when we're thinking, well, I've got to work really hard if I want to have this happen. If I want this joke to be good and my my stand-up to be good, I better really be working hard. The fact that I'm sitting here playing backgammon on my phone means I'm lazy. That's because you think that you're not realizing that experience of backgammon on your phone may be you taking a break in order to allow the information to coalesce up around you so you can download it. 
everything is a download. So we're in a constant state of downloading information and, and deciphering what's when we're judging what's worthy or not worthy, then we're creating all these little boxes and there's no expansiveness to it. But if you instead let go and let it come to you and say, I don't want it. I, I don't need to work hard. I need to be open. I am open. I'm open for mm-hmm. business and whatever comes, if it brings me joy and it's, if I'm willing to write it down in the moment, then it's got some worth to it. And I'll, I'm not going to judge it as it's coming in, right. As I'm downloading it, I'm not going to go into effort around it. Yeah, I think so. Like, I think that a lot of times I see people getting laughs and laughs, like, you know, people are like, Oh, that person's so funny. And I, in my mind, I just want to be like, I think you're mistaking funny for confidence, right? Because like, Mm -hmm. that person didn't say anything. You just trust that they're funny. And you're laughing because they've, they've trained you to laugh on their cue. Exactly. Right. They've given you a cue. They hit their microphone a certain way or they lean forward and pause and then that's the cue to laugh and you've been trained to laugh when they do that and whereas I feel like I'm sitting here like working and working and working and I refuse to do a special until I know something's good enough and like great enough and and then it's like worthy of being put out there and like I refuse to do crowd work there's so many people doing crowd work and I'm like, no, like, it's not your job to be funny. It's my job to be funny. You can't, you bought a ticket to see me. I didn't come here to buy you a ticket. Like, what is happening? And so, so Bill Hicks used to always say, like, don't ask the audience how they're doing. Tell them how they're doing. Exactly. Like, and I feel like I'm, I go up there and I'm just, I'm like Peyton Manning. I'm just calling audibles constantly because I like, if I feel like something's not going well, I'll move over and I won't like stay where I am. And I guess I don't know if that's right or if it's, you know, wrong. I'm not really sure. I just like, know like they don't like the direction I'm going. So I'm going to go a different way. I'm going to call an audible and go over here and like, try that out, you know? And then like, you just keep trying stuff out until you go, I think this is where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. I think this is good enough, you know, but you know, I guess it's like that um, Malcolm Gladwell did a podcast once about, um, about the greatest song ever written and like, like Jeff Buckley's song, Hallelujah and how that took like six years. And then like another song that's considered one of the greatest of all time was written by Bob Dylan in an hour. And so it's like, well, which one oh, is totally, better? The work. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's the thing is like, yeah, I hear the the Tom Petty uh, and Jeff Lynn wrote "I Won't Back Down" in like twenty minutes or like a half. Yeah, an hour, you know, and and you know that that song is obviously one of his classics, and it's like, oh, I guess it doesn't have to take that much effort. No. It can just come. I guess the effort has been put in just being and just preparing and whatever to get to the point where in that moment. It comes, right? Well, well yes. And in opalescence, when I'm talking about running neutral, that is trust. Trusting that whatever's coming mm-hmm. forward has worth. It has worth because it's creative. Anything creative has worth. Now, this is the thing about free will. That's what I'm going to tell the next time I pitch exactly. a TV show and the, the network doesn't buy it. I <laughs> oh, go, this I is creative baseball. and it has worth. It does. <laughs> because you know what happens is 
we judge it how it's going to how it's going to land with people. And that is your job. I mean, if you're in entertainment, you have to think about your audience and and who is this going to appeal to? And am I reading the room? And it's about balance. So you, you want to strike the balance right. between being prepared. And then when you get up there, it's, it takes a great gift and talent to be able to go, Oh, I'm an ease and grace. When you're pulling the audible, you're an ease. You're able to switch and read the room and you're in your flow. And that's a really beautiful thing. But when you're preparing to do something, if you if you're going too far out into the minds, you're trying to read the minds of your audience or how they're going to respond, you're taking away the fact that you can't possibly know. But if you show yeah. up, right, and you're trusting that what you're putting out there has worth in it, has humor in it, has a lot of creativity in it, it's going to strike people in different ways. And you can't imagine the mm-hmm. different ways. You have no idea why they're laughing. I mean, with those comics that aren't that funny, most people are probably laughing yeah. because they're embarrassed for the person on the stage. I mean, I, I laugh oh. when I'm embarrassed for somebody, but you know, the effort, the part, and I think this is a good conversation for everyone. We want to get out of effort. We want to get out of the program that it's got to be hard and that only hard things are right. worthy. And I think the man that wrote hallelujah, hallelujah, yeah. Was mm-hmm. he was gonna get there anyway? Leonard Cohn, Leonard Cohn yes. He was gonna get there anyway, but he was mm-hmm. in effort, so it took longer. He probably could have got there in 20 minutes. You know and- why? Because he was a Jew, believe <laughs> I, I don't know. And then his family weighed in. Like, I don't think so, Leonard. That's not listen, I've been there. I know how this works. Well, I feel like you're right though, that like it is a balance because there are some things that I write that I wrote and like on my walk home yeah a lot of times just going at like when i'm stuck i'll just go for a walk that's great and no headphones i just need to listen to my brain right because i think sometimes i ignore my brain because i'm you know i don't want to hear it i don't want to think about it i'm not near a pen (laughs) whatever Mm -hmm. the excuse is um but then but then there are other times where i'm like it's good but not great Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like I tinker and tinker and tinker and tinker until it's like it's still not where I want it to be, but it's getting laughs and like that's good enough. Mm-hmm. And I just and I'm not really satisfied with good enough. So, like I yeah. my brain doesn't work that way. I mean, maybe it does work that way and I'm not allowing it to work that way, but like I just kind of punish myself even when it's already recorded, it's already on tape. It's just like, man. You just see every flaw. I see every flaw and there's no way I can retake it. There's nothing else I can do. It's been recorded. And I just don't know what to how to enjoy that. Is there anything you've ever put out that you're like, that was great? No. Like mm-hmm. great? Anything that I've ever put out that I thought that I mean, I think my new special is really good. Mm-hmm. Do I think it's great? To me, like I'm just, I just go, ugh, I said the word like too much there, or I swapped words. I swapped two words in that one sentence and it makes no sense now. And it probably is fine. People know what I mean. But to me, I'm like, I completely messed up. And so to me, it's not great because I see all of these little mistakes. Rather than looking at the big picture that she put out, a stand-up comedy special that is shot and looks amazing and is good and so you know like 
to have a to put out a special yeah. is, is not a small feat, you know, to do it to do it well and to do it right. Do you give yourself gratitude for what you've accomplished? Are you grateful for that special and all of the things that you did? To no, yourself, the way I give I don't... myself gratitude is by <laughs> buying something, going like, "Good job, <laughs> you earned it." <laughs> Absolutely, but do I tell myself I did a good job? No, no, <laughs> no. So, so, and that does come from growing up. Like I know where that comes from. That comes from like being like, I just, you know, like my parents were like very good about like telling me how good of a job I did, but I, but it wasn't like, uh, it was just kind of like, that's expected of you. Like, Mm -hmm. we know you're going to get into college and get a scholarship. We're not going to like save money for you, you know, know? or like you got an, like for me, it was like, it was just expected of me to always have straight A's, to always be on the dean's list. But when my sister got an A, it was like, oh, my God, we're so proud of you. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's like, did we have me, the same I was parents? The this is weird. Really, really, I, I feel like we were siblings. <laughs> maybe. But see, the, what happens yeah. there then is because it's expected, then there's nothing thought to be special about it. And that's nothing against parents. Right. It's just... We do it to ourselves all the time. We forget to be grateful for the things that we do for who we are. And if we don't give that to ourselves, then we're not activating more of it. Well, it's stealing the joy is what I want to say. So if we look at something, we put it out there and then we, there's a great, you know, we want to analyze it. We want to look at it in a sense of how can I evolve this? If we ask that question, how can I grow from this and how can I evolve it? rather than look at it like, oh, I did, I said like too much, or I did this too much, or I did that too much, (laughs) right? That's judgment. That's a judgment energy. What's good, what's bad. Judgment is very limiting and it's a very sneaky energy and it steals the joy from our process and it takes away, you know, all the fun of, of what we just did. So instead of judging, if we said, all right, where can I evolve this? Expand it. I want to expand this. These are some things I really love about it. And I'm going to take and I'm going to look at that from this perspective, a perspective of growth rather than a perspective of lack. Oh, I really messed up there. Then we get more into this attitude of gratitude and that opens everything up. That's where then we get this direct line to creativity because we're not we're not being blocked by the judgment. It's really the judgment that blocks us. And it's the judgment that puts us in effort. And it's the judgment and the fear of judgment that makes us go into the audience's head and think that we know what they're thinking when we may know a facet of what they're thinking, but we don't know all that what they're thinking. And that joke that we scratched and left on the table would have actually been extremely funny to those people because it would have hit them in a way that we couldn't have expected. Does that make sense? I think so. Like just watching it and going like, I need to be better, you know, about not saying that or like be more impeccable with my word next time. But then I feel like by the time next time comes, like I've forgotten that I need to do that. Mm -hmm. So instead look at it, like I want to expand this. How am I going to evolve this? That was great. People are laughing. I'm really grateful that people are laughing. How do I want to evolve it rather than, you know, worrying about that you said the word like, 
which then the more you worry about saying that word, the more you're going to say it. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking it. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah, I feel like a big example of when I do that is that like I have this bit where I talk about how I'm really old now and I don't like to do the things that I used to enjoy doing. Like, I don't like to leave my house. I don't like to do that. And I say, I don't want to be here, actually. And I will always go like, I have to be really careful about not thinking. I hope they don't think I don't want to be here. Because mm-hmm. I do want to be here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then I have to go. I I actually don't want to be here. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is just me being honest. I'm here. I came out and I did it. But do I want to be here? No. I would much rather be watching Netflix on my couch and my in pants that don't button. Like that's what I would much rather be doing. <laughs> and then that joke always works. But when I think, I hope they don't think I don't want to be here. It never works. Exactly. So. And that's the only motivation, the only motivation (laughs) to being, to staying out of my head and not deciding what they're thinking is to just go, this joke won't work if I don't, if I do that. Well, that's the truth though, right? Yeah, (laughs) that's exactly it. It's exactly it. Get out of their heads. Well, because I do workshops, right? Yeah. Um, And so Mm -hmm. my my business partner who I do workshops with, she'll be like, what if they think this or that? And maybe we shouldn't say this or that. And she's really worried about me because I just say whatever comes to me. I, <laughs> I, I have made right. a pact that I'm going to trust that whatever I'm saying is going to resonate in some way, shape or form. I'm not going to worry about being right or wrong, or if it's going to resonate, it's going to do what it's supposed to do for people. And I'm going to trust that. And so when right. you're in your head and you're, t- and you're going, oh, they're going to think this, or they're going to think I don't want to be here. You're not in trust. You're in doubt. And so then your delivery has doubt to it and it can't be received right. and it won't be received sure. as authentic because it has the frequency of doubt in it. But when you are telling yourself, no, no, I know I don't want to be here. <laughs> I want to be, in, you know, <laughs> now your joke has a truth to it and people respond right. to truth because Truth isn't opinion or fact. Truth is a feeling, a feeling of authenticity because it's coming from somewhere that's creative within you and everyone can relate to that somewhere inside of them because that's the core of who we are. We are truth. And so when you're speaking the truth, even if it's not factually accurate, that's the other thing I wanted to say to you. When you're doing your own stand-up, you're thinking, well, I've got to tell real stories, right? Well, that's those are facts, And Mm -hmm. right. But truth is more of a feeling or a sensation. And we don't want to tell the truth and be factually incorrect. But we can sometimes be a little factually incorrect and still be really telling the truth. We call it embellishment. (laughs) (laughs) We we say for the sake of the joke. uh, (laughs) But yeah, no. Yeah. And then then it's funny. Right. It's funny. Right. What about like being fearful of um, repercussions for the things that you say? Because I feel like we as comedians are living in an age where people take things the wrong way and then they get very upset and -hmm. offended by things. Mm -hmm. And that was never your intention um, but people, I, I also like, cause I have a big feeling that people aren't 
actually offended. They're just worried someone's going to think that they're not. <laughs> and totally agree. So then yeah. they react, which is like, you know, mm-hmm. which is really kind of virtue signaling. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know how if I should talk about that. I think that, that I, by the way, I think, I think that's, that's a great that's yeah. your bit right yeah. there. Is that the people <laughs> yeah. the people who attack you who don't really actually feel it, but they do it because they don't want to be attacked, you know? So right. they're like, Oh I, yeah, you're racist, right? Isn't she? Uh right. yeah. So yeah, I, I think, I, that's, I, think yeah. that's I think that's a if you could talk about that in a way with humor, you'd be doing a service to all of us because <laughs> please, please, please do that because intention is getting lost. Things are being taken out of context, right. you know, and yeah. I think it's so important to express ourselves through intentionality so it can be felt just like we were talking about your 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 joke about not wanting to be there, right? It's felt that you really do want to be there when you're telling the joke, but you're telling it from the uh, truth. So that's why it's funny. Um, mm-hmm. If we could say, you know, what's my intention? My intention is to laugh. My intention is to see the beauty and the differences. My intention is to point out those differences in a way that appreciates them through humor. And it's not to cause harm. How do you say that in a really funny way? I don't know. You guys tell me you're the comedians, but that's, you know, that's, I think what needs to happen. We need to start saying, listen, the truth is we're different. We are different. Mm -hmm. We are all different (laughs) and different. Isn't less than why do we keep thinking that different is less than we, we do that because we're programmed again. It's a programming let's deprogram and let's start to see each other for individuals and find humor and grace in that humor. And, you know, well, I think like I used to do jokes about stereotypes, mm-hmm. you know, like based on stereotypes. And I, you know, I don't really do those jokes anymore. Um, not because I don't think they're funny. I think stereotypes are very funny because they're not facts. And mm-hmm. when people don't laugh at them, what you're saying is that's not funny because it's a fact. And mm-hmm. I'm saying, no, <laughs> it's not a fact. That's why. I <laughs> Exactly. And like, it's like a common, like where you're just like, I I don't I don't know what to do here. Well, we feel handcuffed. We've lost yeah. our sense of humor around difference. Mm-hmm. We've completely lost. Well, right. people, people don't listen anymore. Is what I found. Is right. That it, yes. The comprehension, like Sarah could say something. Like there's a joke I used to do about how white people will use every adjective to describe a person of color except for the color of their skin because we're so scared about being <laughs> yeah. called racist, you know? So if we're talking about a black guy, right. you know, oh, the guy with the really tight, crinkly, curly hair. And so, and I, I it goes on from there and I'm not even going to do it now because I'm like, that's, people are going to be like, oh, well, that's right. But it really isn't. It's really actually talking about how ridiculous white people are. But, you know, it's just like you can't, people just won't hear that. They'll yeah. just hear the, I like oh, that right. that was racist. Oh, I'm colorblind. Yeah. I don't see color. I'm like, well, then that's weird. <laughs> I like the fact that we all look different. Yeah, I exactly. don't want us all to look the same. That's boring. Yes, because um, we're not the same. And I always say to people, I see lots of colors. I mean, your your mm-hmm. scope of of color. I'm pink. Yeah, exactly. No one ever sees this. <laughs> yeah, you have to. Yeah, but I, I think the thing is, it's all about intentionality, and is the intention. You know, when I'm describing someone, if I'm uncomfortable just giving an accurate description of what I see in front of me, then I, in a way, I am 
disregarding who that person is because that's a part of who they are. And we should embrace who we all are as an individual on an individual basis. And, you know, I just think it's a really tough time to be doing comedy in general, just right now, you know, and, and, and I I just, you want to be as truthful and honest and and authentic as possible. But I think, again, I, I just think the audience just isn't ready to, the people are so, they want to attack before they even want to enjoy. They want to be able to bring right. it down when, you know, they want to watch a special on Netflix and go, it wasn't good. You know, it wasn't <laughs> as good as his, uh, her last one or his last one, you know? Yeah. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. all you could hear about for the Chris Rock special, you know, that live special he did on Netflix was, I don't think it was as good. You know, it's like everyone just wants to bring them down. That's compare and contrast energy, which is scarcity. So everything has to be less than. And when we can point that out in other people, it it means that we have an importance to us. I actually, right. right? And so it comes yeah. from this deep fear that you're not enough. So pay attention when somebody is super hypercritical or super judgmental. Judgment is, judgment is, we talked, you talked about lazy earlier and I'm not saying you're judgmental, right? But I'm, mm-hmm. what I'm saying yeah, is no, judgment is a lazy energy. Yeah. It's easy to say good bad, right, mm-hmm. wrong, this, that, instead of really being compassionate and looking through something and going, oh, I see what that is. But what just came to me around comedy and what's so important is, you know, right now, the only story that's safe is your own story. And so mm-hmm. if you're telling your own story, you're going to be safe. You have to just stick right. to your story and your experience. And you can say my experience and there's there's different language that we can use, but if you stick to your own story, then it's really hard for people to cancel your story. It's my story. What do you, you know? Oh, people could find a way. People could. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, we are living in a time that I people. think is really scary mm-hmm. with all the canceling. I think yeah. it's it's frightening, and I think it's why we're stuck in this really crazy pattern of karma, and we're not going to get out of it any t- anytime soon until we start to realize that what we're agreeing to is is just harmful when we are othering other people right it's crazy but if we start to see each other but tell your own story i think tell your story and tell it freely and and all the beauty and humor of it don't judge don't judge our story i want to hear the stories about being the daughter of a pepperidge farm distributor yeah I want to hear the How story. How many Milanos did you eat in your life? I, the orange ones were my favorite, and I ate a lot. <laughs> I mean, I think it still shows. <laughs> but I want to hear the story about your but, sister and that whole, because that's a really amazing story mm-hmm. because what we often do is that compare and contrast or your sister, the perfect picture, right? Is, or... You know, I got an A and she got a B, but you all celebrated her as not, is my A not enough, right? What is that about, Mm -hmm. right? And maybe that's a little bit of where you are right now. I've got this great show, but it's still not enough because, right, you have this, this old story that you're telling yourself, no matter what you do, it's, it's not enough because it didn't get the celebration from your parents but your parents don't mm-hmm. realize that's what they were doing. They were just like, oh, yeah, that's great, right? Parents, we oftentimes we screw up our kids and we don't realize how, how we do it. But 
my, oh, yeah. me included. I think I did a, a, I would, I could expand on, I did a little bit of it, you know, um, you know, my, I, my lot in the special that I just put out, I talk about how my parents tell me all the time, used to tell me all the time that I was their least favorite, which hurts because I'm an only child. <laughs> and, and I would say, you know, like, <laughs> Like technically I have a sister, but I don't identify as a sibling. <laughs> and so but like <laughs> but I could definitely expand on why. <laughs> I, I mean, I think that would be so healing for so many people because it's common in families. I have three kids, right? So, you know, my daughter, Julia, who's in the Which middle. Which one do you like the most? Well, <laughs> they all say that my youngest is my favorite, but I don't I say I don't have a favorite, but the funny thing is my daughter, Julia, is really pissed off at her father and I because, you know, she wasn't dyslexic and doesn't have ADHD. And so we didn't do all the things like she's mad that at us. That is exactly, um, you know, so what, no, but you say that and I'm listening to your story and, and, you know, it was the same in my family. My sister's adopted. And so everything mm. was like, a, oh, and she was, had some uh. learning disabilities and, uh, you know, and so my parents were really like every time it was like, oh, great, Carrie, way to go. And then it was, they knew me and they, cause they created me. They're like, no, we expect a little more than a B brand. We know that you're not putting in the full <laughs> effort, get back there, you know? And so it was never like, I was like, I actually got the raw end of the stick because I was the biological child. You mm -hmm. know, they actually did favor my That's sister. That's what Julia says. She has the uh, raw end of the stick because she doesn't have a learning challenge. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> I was I was an unbelievably brilliant child with no flaws that, you know, I it's, it actually ends up backfiring. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sarah, do you have any final questions uh, for, for Jackie? Uh, to fix your anything yeah, which about racist your child? jokes do you like the best? <laughs> which, <laughs> I like the kidding. I like I the jokes about the purple people, mm -hmm. the, the Martians. Yeah, sure. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. Um, mm. I uh, <laughs> no, that's funny though because nobody can say anything. Actually, I was raised Italian, and, and so I don't mind those. But boy, my grandfather, he sure minded those jokes. That's the thing. It's like I don't see. I always feel like I also feel like there's like. Actually, no such thing as a racist joke because I don't think racism is funny. Now, I think there are a lot of racial jokes. I think there are jokes about race. Mm -hmm. That's funny. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, uh, I don't I, I don't uh, do that anymore. It's just not worth my time. But um, I guess do I have a question. You don't <sighs> have to. You don't have to. I just wanted to open the floor because uh, we are we're going to wrap up here. You have a hard out. That's a that's a Hollywood term, everyone. But that means hard gotta, out. A hard out means you got to wrap. They got they got to be done by this time because yeah. they got to get on to their next project that she's got to half ass. <laughs> yes, but I've been in <laughs> literally. That's, yeah, literally. Um, well, you don't have to. But Sarah, thank you so much for for jumping on with us. Um, and You're I hope welcome. I hope you were able to get some sort of takeaway from this and being a little more confident in yourself and um, really just what would you say Jackie what's a wrap up for her I would just say it's, it's stick in your gift stay out of effort and that's the biggest thing so I mean you're really funny and you have a lot to offer and so tell your story I think your story is is amazing and when you say 
When you say stay out of effort, you mean like stay out of the idea that it's what's easy and what's hard. Yes. And stay out of the judgment of what's good and what's bad and just tune into what you think is funny and, and allow it to flow and don't sit there and ponder whether it's good or bad. Sit there and say, is this funny rather than Mm -hmm. is it good or bad? See the, get out of the judgment and get into the trust. Okay. Does that, does that resonate? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. And you can then well, it's very us, helpful. You can us the, the two hundred and fifty dollars for the hour. Thank you. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, you're welcome. Sure, sure, sure. Sarah, Tiana, I knew thank this you. Was a, I knew there was a catch. Yeah, there's always a catch. I'm a Jew. There's always a catch. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, then you should get the amount right. You just you oh, have, I you have forty dollars on the table, dude. I don't dude. know. I don't know. <laughs> Shannon pays the bills. Uh, but anyway, Sarah, thank you so much. Um, You're welcome. Your special's out. Go listen. Go see her. Well, how can people get your special? Where do they go? They're on. It's on YouTube, but you can. Right. The link is on my Instagram and my Twitter. Sarah okay. Tiana. Sarah Tiana. Yeah. An all-time favorite. Yeah. Thank you so much, and we will speak to you soon. So nice to meet you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Funny Energy. And don't forget to write a review wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us out. Sure does, Jackie. While you're at it, follow us on Instagram at Funny Energy Podcast for more updates on upcoming guests, episodes, and all things funny and energy. We'll see you next week for another energy cleansing. And some real laughter through the pain. <laughs>